Welcome to Uncensored Sass, the podcast. My name is Rye. And I'm Julia. In this podcast, we discuss facts and our opinions on a variety of topics. This week, we're discussing trunk or treating. So what do you think trunk or treating is? I think trunk or treating is like the soccer mom version of a tailgate party, but for Halloween, where you can just show up with your truck and your kids and like an ice chest full of candy and just like watch them run in circles and collect their little bars of diabetes. That's not too far off. It's a little bit more organized than that from what I've found. So according to the Newswheel, instead of kids going door to door to get candy, they walk up through a parking lot and go trunk to trunk. Uh The trunk of your car becomes your front porch. These events are usually hosted by groups such as a church or school, but can be community organized as well. It's not like a mom and her three soccer mom friends get together. They can do that. But according to this, and this article is from 2013, It's been happening for years, and it's usually something that is community organized or church or school organized. And I don't think, based on what I've read, that it's something that replaces trick-or-treating. Yeah. It coincides with it. See, I feel like people do it instead of trick-or-treating. I feel like people do it to not go trick-or-treating. I think it could be either or. So some of the resources and we'll go over this a little bit more some of the resources said it is a good substitute so for example the delish.com they said over the past few years a trend has bubbled up in cities nationwide particularly in places where you may not know your neighborhoods very well or the houses are so far apart that by the time the kids hit house number four everyone's ready to call it a night It's a good alternative to people with, like, very little kids that still want to go out and go trick-or-treating, but you don't want to go through a massive neighborhood, or you don't know your neighborhood very well. Like, say, for example, you don't live in such a great neighborhood. Uh If your church, your school, or your community is doing a trunk-or-treating, you can do that instead. If you are one of those people that lives in a neighborhood where you can do trick-or-treating, I suppose if you really wanted to, you could probably do both. But there are instances where it is a substitute. And this article from Delish is from 2015. So again, it's not like COVID happened and now we're doing trunk-or-treating. This has been happening for years. Yeah, it has. And then I'm going to go in and go to HuffPost.com has another excerpt that I'm going to read. If trunk or treating hasn't hit your towns yet, odds are it will soon because door-to-door alternative is gaining in popularity, owing in part to the convenience inherent in condensing a large number and a large volume of candy into a small area. Less walking, but mostly for the opportunity it affords holiday decor enthusiasts to get creative with their trunks. So we can go to orientaltrading.com. So I just kind of wanted you to look at some of the different options people have and how creative they can get with it. Okay, so here's my first impression. Very cute. More effort than I would ever put into decorating my car. My only concern lingering is that the exhausted soccer mom who just left the church after being forced to organize this is 
like, gonna leave the skirt on the back of the car. And I feel like that's super illegal. And I feel like just, like, meh, fuck it. Like, we're never gonna have that again. Like, I feel like this is gonna lead to a... And this is not related to, like, the principle of trunk or treating. I just feel like it's gonna lead to a lot of, like, illegal car decorations. I mean, that's between her and the CHP. Yeah, I just, like, that's a gripe that I have as, as, like, an old lady. (laughs) Cause I'm like, I'm driving, I don't want to have to see your your fucking decorations on your car, I just want to get from A to B. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, don't mind. If I wanted to see a decorated car, I'd go to a parade, but... I do enjoy the creativity that went into the design of these themes, especially with Oriental Trading. I love Oriental Trading. They have a hard time coming up with new stuff. They just usually end up recycling a lot of stuff. So the fact that they've got all of this is really cool. Yeah, I liked how there wasn't just generic Halloween decorations that they were trying to push towards like theoretically you could buy this stuff and put it anywhere because nobody's going to tell you what to do with your stuff but it's specifically for trunk or treating they have an entire section for it and you can see in the pictures how you can really decorate the back end of your car and i think if you didn't want to decorate your entire house if that just wasn't your thing this is a great alternative to just keep it in kind of a small location It's very easy to put this stuff up with a little bit of tape and take it down just before you leave. And that's that's your entire Halloween if that's how minimalist you wanted to be with it. And I definitely agree. I think that I think that's good. I think there's a lot of pressure on moms to decorate to the nines for every holiday, which I just don't think is I don't think that should be the case. I think that's cruel and unusual for for moms to have to feel that pressure. But I think that this would definitely help subside that a bit. I think also it's not specific to parents. So you could just be a member of the community who wants to participate in Halloween, but say you live on the edge of town or you live in an apartment, nobody ever comes to your place to trick or treat. And so you just want to be a part of that. I also think it's a great thing to do in place of going to a neighborhood you may not be 100% familiar with. Yeah. And I know we've said this before, but I just want to preface before we get too far into it. We are both childless 30-somethings. So our opinions come from an observer as opposed to a participant. Because when I was growing up, this wasn't a thing. So I've never been trunk or treating. The same token, I've never taken a child, let alone my child, trunk or treating. Yeah, I have like nieces and a nephew. This is something I would feel comfortable taking them to if I understood the community that was doing it, if it was like their school community. But for the most part, when it comes to those kind of things, their mom is usually the one to do it with them because that's just how that happens to be. Halloween is during the school year. And for me to go to them or them to come to me for that particular holiday, it is a bit of a chore Mm -hmm. on both parties. So I could suggest this to my sister. But in the end, it's just a suggestion. And from my point, it's just an observation of seeing 
this cultural phenomenon happening in place of trick-or-treating yeah. for places that don't have really good neighborhoods, like rural neighborhoods where you have to literally walk a mile to get to the next house. Yeah. In terms of like good trick-or-treating housing, that's what I'm talking about. That's not the traditional suburban neighborhood where the house is next to each other. Yeah. So you all get together and go to this local community center or go to this local parking lot and just do trunk-or-treating there. And it's a good experience for everyone. And you get to see your neighbors versus you have to go up to their house to see them. Yeah. I think it's a great alternative. I think it's a really fun idea. I personally don't see any sort of problems with it. Especially because unless it's some rando on the street trying to do a trunk or treating in some random neighborhood, I don't see a problem with it because the way it's described in a lot of the articles that I've read, it's a community event. So there's less likely going to be any sort of harm happening in terms of the risk of kidnapping, the risk of some creepy neighbor making advances on a small child or poison candy. It's less likely that anything's going to happen like that because it's a bunch of people that signed up to do this thing and they're all in the same area to do it. So accountability is there. Accountability is available. Yes. So that's why it becomes less likely that anything like that's going to happen because you know the person who's three cars down from you or at least the curator of the event knows who that is. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, ideally. I think, too, there's a lot of stigma behind what trick-or-treating has become and what trick-or-treating is in terms of, like, poison candy and kidnapping. Yeah. And so this is kind of, like, an alternative to help fight against that. You have these people who sign up for this event, and some of the criteria might be as specific as your candy has to be prepackaged, pre-approved. Uh-huh. You can't just make cookies from home and bring it. That's not allowed because we don't know what you're putting in those cookies. Yeah. Some kid might be allergic to nuts. It's easier to throw out a Snickers bar than it is to tell them why they can't have so-and-so's cookie that they made specifically for them. So I kind of disagree in the aspect of demystifying and debunking the stigmas around trick-or-treating, whether it come to poison candy and all that stuff. I don't think it does anything to help those. I think if anything, it helps the rhetoric around trick-or-treating helps confirm those assumptions and those beliefs and those fears but that's just from me interacting with people in my own life and seeing the rhetoric that these people are putting around trunk or treating because if you don't take your kid trunk or treating if you take them trick-or-treating the guy on the corner is going to put morphine in their candy i just i don't think that that actually helps that rhetoric i think it hurts it i don't think it's inherently a bad option because of that I think trunk or treating is a decent option, especially if you don't have the privilege of living close to your neighbors or having a close relationship with your neighbors or living in a decent area. I think it is a good option to have that. And I think ultimately it stemmed from like elementary schools having October festivals, like Halloween festivals. And so like that same idea got put into trunk or treating. Well, this was just from my personal observation. I think it can help is what I was trying to say, because you can organize your event in a way that people have to have their candy pre-approved. People have to sign up. You can't just show up with a decorated car and start trunk or treating because then you rule out the factor of somebody trying to do some sketchy shit because some rando trying to put morphine into candy is not there. 
they would have had to meticulously plan that. And that's not to say that they won't. People are awful. But they're less likely to do that because it's all under observation. And the parents can have this peace of mind knowing that this organized event has all of its T's crossed and its I's dotted. Everything that they would need to worry about going to some random stranger's door during Halloween isn't going to happen here. And I think another thing, too, is trunk or treating, unlike with most traditional Halloween celebrations, doesn't have to happen on the day of Halloween. It could be the weekend before. It could be a couple of days before if it doesn't happen to fall on a weekday. So it's going to be a situation where parents may not take their kids trick-or-treating unless there's an alternative the day before. Yeah. And this could serve as that alternative. Yeah. And I don't think just based on what I'm seeing from a lot of the pictures here, that it's geared towards older children. It seems definitely for the younger mm -hmm. ones. That isn't to say that they can't participate. I definitely think it would be fun for older kids, say like preteens, teenagers, if they had a younger sibling that was under the age of 10, to go and take them and experience it through their eyes. But outside of being the person handing out the candy, you know, just being a wholesome teenager or preteen, I don't see them really enjoying this as much because it looks like it could be so structured. Yeah. So I don't know what the alternative for the older kids would be, but trunk or treating specifically, to me, feels like it's definitely for anybody under the age of, say, 12. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And I don't think there is an option for teenagers because they're a tough crowd to please because their needs are not our needs. Like when you and I were teenagers, our needs were, are going to be very different than, you know, teenagers of today. So, like, I'm not going to know how to give an option that's not fucking stupid cheesy or that pleases myself. Because, you know, ultimately, I think people our age and our generation, we're kind of stuck in our youth for a variety of reasons. But we're kind of stuck in our youth and any kind of nostalgic opportunity to reach out to that is going to be taken. And so I think anytime we're given an opportunity to do something like that, we're just going to kind of gear towards pleasing our inner child as opposed to pleasing the teenagers and the children of today. So it's hard. It is frustrating too hearing and seeing stuff that's like fun for all ages. And what that means is that it's fun for children, but somehow you can try to incorporate an older kid. I definitely think that depending on the child, depending on the teenager, there are things you can do with them that might be fun and interesting for them. But unlike with small children, teenagers are very individual. Yeah. They have come into their individuality and they all want different things. And yet at the same time, they all want to be part of the group. Yeah. So it's very difficult to find one thing for multiple teenagers that's going to please everyone. You almost have to kind of take a poll and let them be a part of the creative process. I think that would be the best way, especially in the organization and the decoration. And I think I want to touch back on the fun for all ages or the appropriate for all ages. I think that just means that it's not inappropriate for teenagers. Like teenagers can do it. It's not inappropriate for them to participate. And so they're kind of just like included in this thin veil of verbiage that is often abused to limit what they're allowed to do. It's one of those things like rated E for everyone. It's just everyone means it involves children. Yeah. Versus T for teen does not involve children. 
and obviously these are video game references, but it feels like one of those things where you're just kind of throwing the teenagers in with everyone. Rated E for everyone means that teenagers might enjoy it, but it's not specifically marketed for them. Yeah, like children is the main market, but like teenagers is the freebie that you get to impulsively pick out at checkout. Mm -hmm. Like they're just impulsively thrown in, not really taken into account. I definitely, I like the idea behind Trunk or Treating. I don't see it being a full-on replacement for trick-or-treating in a lot of places, but I think it's a great alternative when it comes to communities coming together or if you needed it to be an alternative for that particular year. I think that trick-or-treating, what it is, it's one of those like take it or leave it. You're either going to do traditional trick-or-treating or you're not going to do that at all. And in that case, I don't see you wanting to do trunk or treating in replacement. I just see you not doing any version of that. Yeah, I find myself to be very privileged in this fact. But a town that I live near, in the historic part of town, they shut down like four blocks. And all of the businesses and residences in that four block section they all decorate their houses to the nines. This is a very wealthy town, and this is a very this is like the wealthiest part of this town. But they chunk this down, and then they dedicate police force specifically to this trick-or-treating block party, essentially. And you get lots of freebies. Businesses hand out their freebies, their candy, their business cards. And then, like, residences will do haunted houses or, like, attractions in their yards... But the whole thing is shut down by police, so there's no through traffic. There is on-foot police officers who are also monitoring the whole event. They set up this block area as like a compromise between trunk-or-treating and regular trick-or-treating. I think that's the right compromise. Because you don't have to worry about your kid getting hit by a car. Everything's Mm -hmm. quote-unquote safe because you've got it shut down. You've got the police presence there. And then it's not that big of an area. It's just literally four blocks just down one main road. I think like something like that requires a lot of resources. And I don't think every neighborhood and every town is capable of doing something like that. It sounds amazing. Yeah, no, that's why I'm saying I'm super privileged because I recognize that. But I felt like it was relevant. And this is something that the city puts on every year. It's an event that the city puts on. Because all year round, it generates revenue in these businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's multifaceted. But yeah, I absolutely am incredibly privileged to be able to go to it. I was just listing it as something that happens. I think it's a good idea, too, because you could theoretically do a similar thing with trunk or treating. Or one of the examples here, it shows the church carnival, and I know it says church, but you could do the same thing with stands. You don't necessarily have to have people come to your house if you could set up a stand. The downside, I think, to trunk or treating or using the stands is depending on where you live, the weather may not permit you to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, the same with trick or treating. If the weather's too bad, people are just not going to do it. But it's less likely that if it's windy outside that people are going to go to your car where your decorations are flying around. Or in my personal case, usually I have snow in October on Halloween. Yeah. I don't know how many people are going to go house to house with the snow, let alone specifically into cars and stuff. I'm always surprised. Yeah. You often see a little, like, Leia 
with her little space buns on top of a beanie and then her white getup on top of snow pants and a snow jacket. Parents often have to like buy their kids' costumes one to two sizes bigger so it fits over snow gear. They make it work. I mean, that's what I'm saying is like parents are resilient and creative when it comes to getting their kids to celebrate something that the kids would otherwise be disappointed if they didn't even get to try. Yeah. They just want to try. And for me, my thought process was I live in, I don't want to say central California, but I live above the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And we don't get snow unless you go into the deep mountain hood. We get a lot of heavy wind. And depending on the time of year, we might get risk of flooding. But for me, all I could think of is like, oh, maybe it might be raining or there might be some heavy winds. So what do you do? Go into a parking garage? Like, how would you even trunk or treat during that weather? And I just can't see parents wanting to put their kids in that to go door to door. Yeah. But again, like you said, they make it work. I think in that aspect, it would be better, especially if like a church or a a school is hosting it, it would be better to put it in like the community hall at the church because churches often have those halls where like they perform ceremonies for like weddings. The, The receptions will be there in those halls or like schools and like in the cafeteria. Just set up booths in the cafeteria. And if you're in an area like that, you're obviously going to have planned for it because you know the area that you live in. California, we get the Santa Anas. You have to prepare for the Santa Ana winds. You know it's going to happen. And then where I particularly live, we often get snow around October. We don't get fall. We get just winter in October. We get solid water in October. And so we plan for it. Yeah, I'm thinking like the big church buildings would be a good alternative. And that's kind of where you see like the church carnival. You see the stands rather than the backside of a car. I think the decorations could work on their own if you could like say put them, post them up against a wall or something. They wouldn't do as well. You wouldn't have that 3D aspect necessarily as much. But you could still repurpose them if that ended up being the case, which I think is fine. But again... That, I think, is the downfall of the trunk-or-treating is weather-permitting. Yeah. Same goes with trick-or-treating, honestly. But if you're going to think of, like, alternatives, then you have to kind of consider, like, well, what if the weather doesn't permit? What can we do instead? Having that plan B is a great option as well. Yeah. I think if you were going to plan trunk-or-treating as an alternative to trick-or-treating, you could do it separately, but having that plan B almost feels like, why not just go with that instead? Because, I mean, if a plan B has to happen, then you basically have to reserve that space anyway. Yeah. So it just kind of seems like trunk-or-treating can help. I think it can help on better weather days, but the plan B almost feels like just do that instead, which kind of sucks because trunk-or-treating is a phenomenon. It feels like I would be interested in trying it with my niece and nephews, so. Yeah. And I feel like from purchasing candy for my fat ass, you don't want to have to buy a supply of candy for trunk-or-treating and then repurchase for trick-or-treating. That's just, like, that's a lot of money. The Halloween candy industry is insane. And so, like, you're dumping a bunch of money just in candy just to have enough for one, let alone two. I think it's a very unusual tradition. I can't think of too many other countries, too many other cultures that would really want to participate in it. But we here in America, it's all or nothing. We're trick-or-treating or we're not. We're celebrating or we're not. And 
it's a neat idea. Like if I had kids, I don't know if I'd do it every single year, but that also depends on where you live. If you live in a place where you can't trick or treat every single year, then organizing the trunk or treating might be better. Organizing some sort of community event in a community hall or a church hall or a school hall might be the kid's only option to do that, which it's definitely out of the norm comparatively. Watch Hocus Pocus. They're going to a community event to trick-or-treat. They're going around neighborhoods and doing it. You know, you go watch cartoons that are made today. You go watch TV shows that are made today for kids. And it's trick-or-treating, not trunk-or-treating. Yeah. And it's an experience that I feel like a lot of children are going to miss out on because of the fear-mongering and the stigmatisms around it. Because in the same hand that there's a lot of media like Hocus Pocus where they do the traditional trick-or-treating and they're in this beautifully decorated neighborhood and the children are running and laughing and like there's also just as much media where it's like kids are trick-or-treating and the man at the end of the street has other plans. The latter of the media is so much more powerful than the former because it's scary. Yeah, and you have to explain to your child why they can't go because you're afraid that somebody's going to poison their candy, or you have to let them go or deal with the fit and the disappointment that they can't go. Yeah. Everybody parents differently. I'm not going to judge that. I just know that the consequences of giving in to that fear-mongering is, in my opinion, less preferable to just allowing your kids to trick-or-treat of some sort. I think if that fear monger is what you're worried about, the trunk or treating is a great alternative, but it does, in my opinion, need to be something that you have to organize. Yeah. You can't just expect people to come together and do it because you want to do it, or you can't just go to somebody's car because they're trunk or treating and expect them to not be sketchy. In my opinion, if you're trick or treating traditionally and there's some rando with like their car dressed nicely, I'd be more likely to avoid that. I'd just be like, no, we're not going to some rando in their car. Yeah. Our childhood, we were taught not to take candy from a van. And here these kids are today, literally taking candy from minivans. Yeah. (laughs) I just, like, I'm not bitching about it. I just, the irony is so thick. See, here's the thing, though, is that when it comes to some sort of organized trunk or treating event, it's not take some candy from some rando in a white van. It's... This is Mrs. Norrison. She lives down the street. Yeah. She's dressed up as a pirate. And you get this feeling of security because you know this person. Yeah. The stranger danger isn't there because you see her every other day Mm -hmm. in her yard gardening or she's waving at you or she helped you with your soccer event. She drove you to and from because her kids are the same age. Yeah. I'm just like the out of context irony is just delicious in my opinion. Just completely out of context, it's hilarious to myself. It is really interesting, too, because it's like, you know, don't take candy from strangers, don't take candy from a person in a van, and lo and behold, here we are, both taking candy from strangers with trick-or-treating, and then taking candy from people in a van with trunk-or-treating. Exactly. Yeah. So, there was a couple of things like how to organize your trunk-or-treat. I think if you are going to do it, having some genuine advice would be probably a good thing. My advice is always bet that you're going to have to do it. So set time aside at the end of the project to do it yourself. 
That way, if you don't have to do it, you get that time off and you can relax and recuperate and prepare for the event itself. But if you have to do it, you're not rushing. You're not busting your ass to get it done and stressing about it. One of the first things on here is number one, planning. Gather the support of volunteers to assist with preparation for the event, facility activities, and cleanup. So again, the volunteer part is what Rye's talking about when it comes to preparing to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Because depending on who you request and how enthusiastic they are, you may not have volunteers. You may have more volunteers than you expected. Yeah. Another one is pick a parking lot that will have adequate space and will cause minimum disruption. So this one, think of like in terms of permit and permission. Yeah. Parking lots belong to people. Yeah. They have owners. Yeah. So it's not like here's a business that has an owner and the parking lot just happens to be there. The person who owns the facility located with that parking lot also owns the parking lot. It's essentially their driveway. Yeah. So you do have to get permission. You can't just be like, we're going to meet in the Safeway parking lot and do it. You have to get permission and you can't block traffic. You can't, again, cause disruption. You have to ensure that undoing the trunk or treating that it is allowed to be there. So you may even have to go to the city. You may even have to go to the local police department and let them know that that's what you're doing and that's why you're congregating in that particular location. Also, on the parking lot thing, make sure it is already well lit because bringing your own light to a poorly lit parking lot is loud and expensive. And if you can steer away from having to light the parking lot, the better off you are. And... I would say when it comes to bringing your own light, don't rely on the light of the car. No, never. That's how you impede traffic. That's how you hurt children's eyes. No, like, because when you have to bring your own light to an event, these are like stand lights that are powered by a generator. Mm -hmm. And generators, if you don't have one, renting one is a bitch because finding one to rent is a bitch. Paying for the fuel, whatever the fuel is, some are diesel, some are gasoline, some are electric. So paying to power them is obscenely expensive as well, especially for a three to four hour straight. Running a generator for three to four hours straight is a good chunk of change. Yeah, I mean, also just the internal car light. Don't rely on that. You don't know how long you're going to be there and you don't want to run out the battery of your car. You're going to kill your battery. Yeah. Obviously, when you do the trunk or treating, you don't want to leave your car running. You don't want to leave your lights on internally or externally and take your keys out. Yes. Bring a little speaker if you want to have music, but don't rely on your car stereo. Your fumes from your exhaust are toxic. And you're doing it from the back end of your car. Yes. So that and like a fire hazard, I imagine. I can, yeah, big fire hazard. The curator of the event may want to consult local authorities as well as the local fire department and let them know that this is what you're doing. Because just because you personally know this, you might put it in pamphlets, you might talk about it in emails and meetings. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be paying attention and everybody's going to follow the rules. Yeah. So if you do have a car for whatever reason that doesn't follow the rules and lights on fire, you want to make sure that the proper authorities have been notified and then they can get there quickly enough. Because it's Halloween. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on. There's so much going on. Also, I will not often recommend this, but join a Facebook group. There is going to be other 
people who either are interested or have done this before who are going to be able to give you what has worked, what hasn't worked, what has gone wrong, what they've done to fix said problems. That way you can kind of anticipate what the night is going to be like. Join a Facebook group because they are going to be able to give you the best nuanced advice for what you're doing better than anything either of us can give you. I mean, again, we don't have kids. We're not planning an event. I'm reading off of what we found on a website. It's holidayappy.com if anybody's interested. But this is all just stuff that like as people who've done social events, both participated and planned for them, it's best to be as prepared as possible because in the moment, you never know what's going to happen. So you may not be able to prepare for everything, but the things you can prepare for might be a lifesaver, literally. Yeah. And I mean, she and I could probably sit here all day and give advice on organizing events, but nothing is going to help you more than people who have done it in the time frame that you're working with. So another thing is they had mentioned the types of like parking lots would be cultural centers and libraries. Again, that goes with like getting permission. Don't just show up at your local library and assume they're going to be okay. Especially on Halloween, like don't just show up, make sure that they know you're going to be there and that they're okay with that. And then, yeah, even in the article, they said it goes without saying to get permission from the owner. Yeah. As well as obtain any city permits that might be necessary for the event. Arrange for trash bins and for floodlights if lighting won't be readily available in terms of cost as well as ensuring that you have enough lighting. We don't claim to know your specific situation and whatever parking lot you choose, if there's not sufficient lighting, that can be very dangerous, especially when you're ready to pack up and leave. Yeah. Don't forget your Halloween themed music, goodies, school supplies, bracelets, balloons, stickers. It doesn't always have to be candy. No, it does not. Sometimes some of my best Halloween gifts when I was a kid were Halloween themed things that were just like, here's a bracelet, here's some rings, you know, just things that were neat that I just had because they lasted a lot longer. Yeah. Not everybody has the ability to do that, but it's an option. Maybe it's like one of the things that you can give people who might have like candy allergens. Yeah, that's a big deal. So that's another option out there, but we don't have kids, so do what you do and just be safe about it. That's the main thing. A lot of this is just about safety. Yeah. And I think touching back on that, a lot of the propaganda from the D.A.R.E. program and this war on drugs has caused a shift in social situations where people are now afraid and these images come out of like a a ripped open Milky Way with a pill shoved in it. No one is doing that. The amount of meticulous work that it would take to put drugs in your kids' candy is insane. Do I think that you need to check your candy if someone has, you know, done something nefarious? Always check your candy. But I don't think it is fair, safe, or reasonable to just assume that every time you go out, someone's going to stick a razor blade in your candy or give your child some of their edibles. That shit is expensive. And anyone who purchases that isn't looking to give it out. There's going to be outliers. And I know that. There's always going to be an extreme on one one end and an extreme on the other. But the general middle, that's not going to happen. And when it comes to those extremes, it's usually inflicted on own family members or unsupervised. And so what I just say is, 
don't hurt your kids, and supervise them. Yeah, just don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole! <laughs> just don't be an asshole. It's not that hard. Moral of the story is don't be an asshole. Yeah, personally, I can't get behind the mindset of anybody that would want to harm another person intentionally. So it's hard for me to say, like, how could you sit there and hurt a kid? Because, again, me, I wouldn't. That's awful. You're an awful person. And I'm not going to justify it by you having some sort of mental illness or wanting money or being in debt. Like, if that's what your motivation is, it still doesn't change the fact that you were willing and did or tried to hurt children. Yeah. You're an awful person. No justification can ever fix that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm not a parent. So when it comes to protecting kids, the fact that that stuff is out there feels like a significant risk to plan ahead. And if that's what scares you the most about trick-or-treating, you maybe don't tell your kids this, but buy your own candy and swap it out. Yeah. Give them other candy. Yeah. Buy a variety bag and just be like, oh, yeah, you know that, like, Mars bar? Yeah, we didn't get that. Sorry. Or no, that melted, or the dog ate it, or, you know, we must have lost it. No, now it's a Snickers bar. I think when your kids get older, they will understand. What we did as kids is my parents would go through all of our candy. And then, because I was one of three, the three of us would sit down, dump all our candy out, and then exchange candy. Because you didn't always get to pick what you get. And so sometimes I got stuff that my brother liked and vice versa. But I think if you take the time post trick-or-treating sit down with your kid take time to spend with your child going through the candy you not only get that time spent with your child which is precious and you don't always have that time especially if you're a working parent but then you also get the ease of mind to check for whatever nefarious bullshit could have been done to your child's candy you get to look through it together and you get to go through it. Your mind is set to ease. They get to spend time with you. They learn about sharing because like hell, they're going to eat all that candy. No child needs to eat all that candy, but it takes working together. It's about being the parent and making these correct decisions for your children. So that wasn't all of the rules, all of the like organized the trunk or treating stuff. I don't know if you want me to go through the last two. They're essentially, like, around the same stuff. Let's so do it. W- the second one is establish ground rules. Okay. Ensure that the event will be safe and inviting. Make it clear that children must be accompanied by an adult. Do not allow drugs or alcohol. And be sure to consider potential allergies. Suggest or even require that adults dress up in costume and decorate their trunk. Yeah, imagine a non-dressed-up parent that brought candy yeah. and they didn't dress up their trunk. I mean, I can imagine that. As long as I can remember, neither of my parents ever dressed up for Halloween. Yeah, but they didn't even bother to dress up their trunk. They just brought candy and handed it out. So it's like, hopefully, in that situation, it would be an outlier. And it shouldn't be up to the person planning it to bring extra stuff for them. Yeah. Especially, like, if this is your first time planning it and you brought extra stuff in case somebody couldn't afford it or they couldn't, they just didn't want to. So then it becomes, what, a tradition for the organizer to bring extra stuff? I wouldn't establish that early on. No. But I would make it abundantly clear if you sign up, you're agreeing to dress up your trunk. This is supposed to be fun for the kids. It's not just about the candy. So when you don't do that and you only hand out candy, you're making the entire event just about kids getting candy. But I mean, like, at the same token, I think that you can, for lack of a better term, segregate the cars to decorated and undecorated. 
so that you don't have to exclude anybody who only has the funds to purchase candy. I feel like holding it against a parent who may not be able to afford the luxury of decorating, who can just afford to put a costume on their kids and buy candy, like they should be allowed to participate, but like keep all the decorated cars together so that they can be judged together. I do think it depends on the organization and the planner. Again, they said that like you can require it or you can just suggest it. For me, I almost feel like segregating them would be worse than not allowing them to be there because it's like, oh, you have to be over here if you're not dressed up because it's very obvious which cars are dressed up and which ones aren't. And I wouldn't personally want to make somebody feel like because they couldn't afford to dress up their car or because they didn't have time that now they have to be over here in the ugly parking lot with the ugly cars. Here's the thing. Social segregation based on participation happens everywhere. It happens at conventions. It just means that the decorated cars, they need to be together for ease of judging Mm -hmm. so that the judges don't have to go. That is if you are organizing a competition. Yeah. If you're not, it doesn't matter. Also, too, it really just depends on how many people show up and how many people are there. Because if you only have 10 cars show up and only three of them aren't decorated, it's not that hard for the judges to walk around and see who's decorated and who's not. Versus if you had like 50 cars, it would be kind of a different issue. Yeah. And then that comes back to who signed up to be in the competition. So you allot for that many spaces. Well, if someone doesn't show up, it's not that hard to... 30 minutes before the thing starts, you know that they're not going to show up. You can require that anyone participating be there an hour and a half early or an hour early to set up. So you can pretty much tell, like, if you're not here within 30 minutes of the show or the trunk or treating event, you lose your spot and someone can just move in closer. Mm -hmm. And it's not hard for an undecorated car to just pack up and move a couple spaces down, especially if the event has not started. Yeah, so, like, again, it just depends on who's planning it and what the, like, organization rules are. It may not be just one person. It could be a whole committee. Yeah. It depends. We're not here to say, like, yes or no, this is how you have to do it. Yeah, there's no one right answer. We're both going to have different opinions on it. I personally wouldn't segregate if, like, there was a competition. But, again, it depends on how many people are there. I also don't agree that, like, it should be all about the candy And that if you don't show up, all you're doing is handing out candy. So then that sets a precedent that nobody has to, like, dress up. Nobody has to really participate. So then all it is is just people handing out candy in their car. And see, here's where I don't agree. I don't think that doing that sets a precedent that it's all about the candy. I think that that's all that you can contribute. That's fine. I think it can be kind of seen as classist to keep them from participating because of that. So the last one was spread the word. You know the drill. Once you established a date, time, and official details for your trunk or treat, spread the word. Utilize social media, local newspapers, the radio, flyers, school announcements, whatever works within your budget and for your needs. So we already kind of touched upon that a little bit with the social media and joining a Facebook group. But this one specifically is just to advertise it, not so much get advice so this would be more of on a local side of it Uh which i think is good i also think that if you were to get permits and notify firemen and policemen they might even help you in terms of advertising because 
you're going to establish that this is a safe place and it's available for everybody. So they might even put something about it on their Facebook page or say something about it to the to the community. Yeah, and they're always looking for free PR. Yeah. Uh, because free PR means, you know, they've got better reputation. Better reputation means more grant money. Yeah, I think it's a good thing to both establish that this is a safe place for people and when you're getting like the permits and you're getting the permission and you're advertising it to do it with people that can do nothing but help you with it yeah they'll either be there to help protect you be there in case of an emergency or they might even mention it in a way that like is beneficial to you yeah the last two bits that i have is risks and alternatives So the risks of it, I tried to look up specific stuff about childhood risks, candy, what is it, kidnapping. There is a lot of stuff if you really want to find it. There's a lot about childhood kidnapping around trick-or-treating, trick-or-treaters, but not trunk-or-treating. Nothing specifically about that. And I think part of that is also the media. If there was anything about trunk-or-treating, they would just say it's trick-or-treating. They wouldn't specifically specify that it was trunk or treating that that person was participating in. Yeah, and you gotta, you have to understand that trick or treating has been around for decades. I'm not gonna say hundreds of years, but literal decades, where trunk or treating has been around since the earliest you said documentation was 2013. Mm-hmm. That was the earliest news report I could find on it. So the spectrum of opportunities has got a huge grotesque gap between the two timelines. So I just wanted to point that out, that if somebody's like, oh, no, trunk or treating, somebody handing out candy in a car, that's just ripe with kidnapping. Not necessarily. That doesn't mean that it's not a risk that you should be worried about. That's why you would want to do it in some sort of community organized event or ensure that the person who is decorating their car in their yard is, you know, your actual neighbor and not some person trying to utilize an abandoned house. Yeah. It all has to do with parental safety, parental guidance, and the parents are the ones who ultimately should and do know better than anyone else. They know their kids better. They know they should know where they're taking their kids the best. Yeah. So it's it's up to their personal judgment. I just haven't found any concrete evidence that trunk or treating is directly related to kidnapping or child endangerment of any kind. Yeah, I think inherently trunk or treating is fun and a good way to socialize children in a safe environment. I just think that it doesn't help the stigma around trick or treating. And I loved trick or treating as a kid. I think too, it feels like trunk or treating is just trick or treating in a different outfit. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people are going to see it as. It's just another way that kids can just go around and collect candy from strangers. In that facet, they're not going to care too much whether or not that person was trick-or-treating or or trunk-or-treating. It does not matter to them. Yeah. If that person was kidnapped, they were assaulted, anything happened to them while they were out on Halloween dressed up getting candy, it's automatically just trick-or-treating at that point. Yeah. That's why the media probably would just say trick-or-treating over trunk-or-treating unless there was something specific about trunk-or-treating that was newsworthy. It's the same act, just a different venue. The risks that I'm about to read to you... One of them is from last year. This is kind of why I wanted to bring it up because this was during COVID when people were staying at home and why trunk-or-treating was not an alternative to trick-or-treating because it was still considered high risk. Mm -hmm. It said high-risk activities include trick-or-treating, trunk-or-treating, indoor haunted houses, and other activities that are either indoor, outdoor events that 
involve crowded spaces or contact with a lot of people. Trunk or treating is high risk because it's close quarters with a lot of people you aren't normally seeing. Plus, they typically get crowded. There's usually a lot of kids at trunk or treat, so that's a social distancing issue. Uh-huh. So this was from ArgusLeader.com, and it was basically just why trunk or treating is high risk as well as trick-or-treating. So I haven't looked up the statistics, but based on that information, I'm willing to say that probably didn't happen very much last year. No, I can't imagine it did. And then the next thing was from this year, and it's about trick-or-treating slash trunk-or-treating, but specifically trick-or-treating. And this has a lot of detailed information, so if any point you want to stop and talk about it, just let me know. But I'm going to start and read the whole thing. Okay. So it says, The Centers of Disease Control and Prevention has given a green light for children nationwide to trick-or-treat this Halloween. One year after advised against the tradition last year due to the coronavirus concerns, instead suggesting one-way trick-or-treating as an alternative. Coronavirus cases are decreasing in the U.S. 13% last week of September. This was written October 2nd. But community transmission remains high amid the Delta variant. According to the director of the CDC, I wouldn't necessarily go to a crowded Halloween party, but I think we should let our kids go trick-or-treating in small groups. Experts say it's still best to take precautionary measures for Halloween, given that most trick-or-treating children are under 11 years old and some are likely to still be unvaccinated. Yeah. That's what USA.com has to say about it. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's important. We're not quite there to the point where we don't have to worry about it. The good thing about Halloween is that masks are aplenty. Yeah. That is a beautiful thing about Halloween. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to be unusual if you're wearing the traditional, you know, I say traditional because we've only been wearing them for a year with quotes. So if you're wearing the COVID prevention mask underneath a spooky, scary mask or even just over it, you can be a princess wearing a mask. It's fine. Yeah. But I wanted to point that out because it's like, oh, it might ruin their costume or how am I supposed to get my kid to wear this if it doesn't go with the costume? There's alternatives. You know, you can get a pretty mask for a pretty costume. You can get a dark mask to put under a regular mask so that it's not seen as much or even just make it fun and put like a mask that has a tongue coming out of it underneath a mask that has an open mouth. Yeah. And there's ways to incorporate it. Yeah. So I think it's important to kind of establish that and mention that because according to this website, it is allowed now. It is more allowed in certain neighborhoods and states than it was obviously last year where neither of them were an option. You just do not do either one. This one, it's like you can do it in small groups, but be safe. Okay. And there's, there's definitely ways to be safe. Yeah. The alternatives, if you're still not sure if you want to do trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treating, this is from osfhealthcare.org. It's alternatives to trick-or-treating that came out last year, but you can obviously still do them this year. These lower-risk activities can be safe alternatives. Carving or decorating pumpkins with your family. Carving or decorating pumpkins outside at a safe distance with neighbors or friends, decorating your home, going on a Halloween scavenger hunt, give kids lists of Halloween themed things to look for while they walk outdoors from house to house, admiring Halloween decorations at a distance, having a virtual Halloween costume contest, watching a Halloween movie with people you live with, having a scavenger hunt style trick-or-treat search in your household, members in or around your home rather than going house to house. Mm -hmm. So those are all the alternatives, which is, I think, a good list to keep in mind. 
again, that's from osfhealthcare.org. It's a good thing, too, because it's like, what if, again, we go back to the weather doesn't permit? Yeah. You know, now you have a plan B that you can do indoors or just around your house. That You don't have to forego Halloween as a holiday because now you can do these things with your kids. I think it's good to kind of have those lists outside of COVID. Someday, hopefully, we won't have to deal with the masks. We won't have to deal with the unvaccinated percentages and whether or not it's safe or risky. But it's still good to have those because, like you said, it snows during Halloween where you live. Yeah. And doing it that way, finding other small nuanced traditions that you can establish with your children, it helps. Like she said, it's a bonding experience, but it also allows you to create a tradition in your family where you get to spend this time together and it won't necessarily feel daunting or extra or out of the ordinary. Like with children, developing those traditions can help develop the positive memories of these holidays as opposed to the scatter and the stress. Yeah, and I think, again, it's, it depends on an individual basis what you choose and what you want to do with your family and what your family's capable of doing. Oh, yeah. Just because Halloween and trick-or-treating is a widely advertised and widely celebrated thing, that doesn't mean that you personally have to be out there celebrating it. You know, not everybody shares the same beliefs. Not everybody wants to trick-or-treat. So don't feel pressured to do an alternative. Don't feel pressured to do trunk-or-treating over trick-or-treating just because you want your kids to experience it or because your neighbors are doing it, even if you never did it or you don't want to do it. You're the parent. You're the head of the household. You get to make these decisions. So... I think that's an important uh, distinction as well. Yeah. What you do with your family, as long as you're making it fun and memorable and your kids are having fun, do it how you want to do it. Be the parent, make the decisions, and your kids will still remember it fondly and they'll still love you. Oh, yeah. So that's all I have in terms of research. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? No, I think we're good. Um, Yeah, we pretty much covered everything. I was able to get my... My sassy opinions out. Yeah, no, I'm good. All right. So my name is Julia. Uh, you can find me at LoserBibi, L-O-S-E-R-B-I-B-I. Unless you look for me on Twitter, then it's L-O-S-E-R-B-I-B-I-I. And that's LoserBibi across all social media. And I'm right at The Okayist. I am found everywhere online at The Okayist. It's T-H-3-O-K-A-Y-E-S-T. I stream on Twitch. I talk on Twitter. Occasionally I post a picture to Instagram, but Twitch and Twitter are the main places you can find me. I do have a fan house, so if you want to get access to this episode's early, then you can go over to the fan house. It's fanhouse.app backslash the okayist. So you just head over there. When you subscribe over there, you su- you support the podcast, you support the show, and you help us do better next time. Bye! Trick or treat!